Hello and welcome to Bottle of Red. I'm Ross Garner and I will not be hosting this week. But before we begin, I do want you to know that this episode contains some swearing. So if you're listening with young children and you want them to reflect on how swearing repeatedly with just one word can constitute good writing, please do encourage them to share it with all of their young friends. On with the show. Welcome to Bottle of Red. I'm Ross Dickey and once again joined by Ross Garner. Hello Ross. Hello. And Justin Anderson. Hello. This week we're going to talk about what good writing really is. We sort of touched on this last week when we were discussing the objective versus subjective qualities of writing. Um, And I think it's something that I know that I disagree certainly with Ross about. Um, Good chance I disagree with Justin as well. Uh, So to kick things off, what do you think good writing is? I think it's a lot of things, but I think fundamentally good writing is something that does not just engage you intellectually, but also emotionally. I think in order to be really good writing, it has to connect with you in a subconscious way as well. If you're making an argument, the logical argument will engage you intellectually and you might well be able to make a logical argument that's you know makes perfect sense and somebody will either agree with or disagree with but i think if it's well written it also engages them emotionally and i think it's much more powerful when it does that yeah i disagree <laughs> you know oh, what a surprise <laughs> color me shocked i don't think it has to engage you emotionally but it, it might pique your curiosity about something there's a lot of things that writing can do other than titillate or make you afraid you know, if, if, for example, if you're going to be reading the news, you might just want to know what's happening in the world. Now, we, we can talk about news value another time, perhaps, but I would say predominantly it's entertainment. Uh, even negative stories, I'm not necessarily engaged emotionally with them. I find I'm quite dead reading the news. Well, I think that's because we were bombarded with it. By yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of 24-hour news, I think. we're. I I often have the same impression, you know, when when you're you read about some sort of tragedy that's taking place somewhere in the world i i feel kind of like you know numb to it because like it seems you to happen. should feel something yeah exactly you feel guilty that you don't feel something but okay so does that not just mean that in fact you do agree with me because what you've just said is that while you've read the news that it wasn't well written enough to engage you emotionally and if it had been better yeah, written, possibly it would have engaged you emotionally i don't know if i want that every time you know, sometimes I just want to know what's happening. Okay, so that's the, difference, it, well, between, that's the difference between efficient writing and good writing. Those are two different things. Well, no, I mean, isn't that the sort of difference between the likes of um, Reuters or AFP where you get... Uh, just the facts, man. Well, just the facts, yeah. And then it is up to the journalist to then put meat on those bones and sort of tell a story or explain See, what I don't know, because happened. then you get into the realm of um, trying to manipulate the reader emotionally when all that they're wanting to do is know what's going on in the world. I don't know about. I don't know if I'd call it manipulation. Uh, I think, as Justin said, you know, you need to be emotionally engaged in a story. Well, you know how I feel about Radio Lab, one of your favourite podcasts, which I feel does tend to shoehorn in uh, how you're meant to be feeling. It's almost like uh, the, the Radio Lab podcast is almost structured like the John Williams score. 
to any Steven Spielberg film where the music tells you what you're meant to be feeling. I'm just adding, I'm just adding sad background music for you, for your lament. I was trying to work on which one it was. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do John Williams. I was just, you know, random. Oh, random, random. <laughs> sort of X-Files, I don't know if I would say that Radio Lab's music guides you as to what you should feel. It's often quite no, ethereal. No, that's not music. what I mean. I don't mean that the Radio Lab music guides you how you feel. I mean that Radio Lab is written in such a way that it tries to emotionally manipulate the audience into feeling something that they might not necessarily feel in an objective way. Controversial. As I think an that example that is... of that, uh, I would talk about. Um, the the book The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. You're obsessed with this. Which was done as a radio <laughs> Ross has an podcast to grind. as well. So uh, this woman uh, was treated for cancer at John Hopkins Hospital in the States. Outside Baltimore, I think. And uh, she died and her cancer cells were taken uh, from her body for study. And they've since thrived in the labs. And they're all over the world. This woman has survived far longer as a uh, in death than she did in life and uh, the family got nothing uh, in return for this so Radio Lab were quite uh, on their high horse and the, the report that covered it was uh, really trying to talk about how the family had been screwed over by this I don't know that I agree with that because I think they took cells from everyone and they've been used to treat cancer ever since so I kind of feel like objectively it's okay to take cancer biopsies and study them in the lab. And if they thrive, then great. That helps further progress. I completely agree with you, uh, which is completely well off our, you know, point relating to <laughs> what is good writing. But um, for as far as that story is concerned, I completely agree with well, you. Well, I don't... I'm not by any means saying that they're above reproach, but... Uh, who was are it, we? Was, was who it? are we to decide <laughs> one of the uh, most successful podcasts of all? Time. I'd say one of the best podcasts of all time, but um, <laughs> clearly we clearly differ on that. Um, however, wasn't part of the issue with Henrietta Lacks sort of racial element of the story? Yeah, it was um, in that they didn't. It was perceived that they weren't told what was happening because of their race, but they took cells from everyone. So I, I just felt that it was not the. Uh, it was not as controversial as it was made to seem for the sake of a good story. So now there, there maybe that backs up your point, Justin. You're saying, you know, good, good writing has an emotional backbone. Maybe that story was made more emotionally satisfying and gratifying and has gone on to be such a huge success because it did manipulate the audience and that's what they wanted. That's what the audience wanted. I think manipulation is a very cynical way to put it, though. I mean, I think all storytelling pulls on those emotional strings in some capacity. I mean, you could argue that there is no story that when it's just presented as facts and figures that is inherently interesting. Or you could say all stories are inherently interesting until you find a way of telling that story that is compelling and engages the audience. And it may well be, I can't remember the, the precise episode you're talking about. Uh, and it may well be that they have taken a bit too much license on that front. But I think that what you call manipulation is just storytelling, really. Yeah, true. And... Uh... Pixar are the you know huge success, but are most guilty for structuring their stories in order to, to emotionally manipulate the audience. Yeah. And no one criticizes them for that. But isn't that what people want from stories? Isn't that why people watch uh, yes, them? Yes, they want so, yes, their emotions exactly. to be engaged. So that is what people want from stories. It's not necessarily what they want from everything that they read. I which agree. was the original. So, okay. What we were well, here let me let me let me put it in a slightly different way. I one of the 
greatest compliments I ever had from someone um, was a, an editor um, I wrote for many years ago, and uh, it was just it was just doing comedy reviews. And uh, what he said to me was that what he liked about my writing was that the writing was entertaining to read in and of itself, regardless of what I was writing about. And at the time, I just thought, oh, that's that's a really nice thing. I don't even know what that means, but. Subsequently, I've realized that what it meant was that just it was written in a way that it just kind of flowed and you got into it and, and you enjoy it. You enjoy reading it. You enjoy the rhythm of it. You enjoy the experience of reading it as much as what you're reading about. And that's slightly intangible and subjective. But again, it's kind of the point I'm making about good writing is more than just what you convey. It's more than the science. It's, it's, it's the art of the storytelling. It's the, it's the art of the rhythm of the writing. It's the, it's the language you use. Um, and as somebody who, I, I love language. I love the English language. I'm, I'm very geeky about finding about things like the etymology of words and phrases. I love playing with language. And um, I don't know that you can kind of pin that down to a formula of A plus B equals good writing. That is a... Uh an interesting point that I agree with. Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dickens, for example, uh, I know some people consider Dickens inaccessible. He's my favourite writer, it's a slightly cliched choice. Um, I read Pickwick Papers last year, uh, the story of which is absolute rubbish. Uh, it's basically about a group of elite men uh, bambling about the bambling is that a word? Ba I think you made that up. Bambling about the countryside. Do you, know Do you know what? It's it's evocative. It's a nice evocative made up word. So we'll take it. Well, they bamble about the place. But <laughs> okay, is, it, is it like a bumbling ramble? Is that what we're going for? That's exactly it's a bumbling ramble. Yeah. Uh, but it is an absolute joy to read, even though the story uh, is utterly pointless and goes nowhere until very close to the end. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I think there are a lot of good examples of that. I mean, even in journalism, uh, somebody who I quite enjoy reading is um, Giles Corrin, who writes reviews for the uh, restaurant reviews for the Times, and his restaurant reviews are very. I mean, there's very little about food or the restaurants. It is mostly just him sort of talking about his life, but in a way that is sort of entertaining and yeah. uh, pompous. And he, but he just he, he does it in a I'm very. I'm sure you'd appreciate that. He, he's he entertaining and pompous. Well, he's interesting, pompous, and sort of. Bambling he's well, he's, he's, he's he, yeah, bambling. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what is it about sort of, him that you like? What is it about his writing that you think is good? It's, well, he's got a sort of sense of humour, I think. Uh, but then that isn't necessarily the sort of mechanics of the writing, which I think is kind of what. I mean, I would agree that there isn't a, a simple formula: A plus B equals good writing. Um, but it sort of almost feels like a cop out, you know the the idea that um, whenever it's, it's wh porn, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, was, there, was, there is such a thing as word porn, isn't there? There must Maybe. be. Yeah, I'm sure. And they should have heard of word porn yeah. in 2016. Who is the time? <laughs> well, indeed. Um, but I, I always, you know, when you when I I feel like I'm often uh, labelled a snob by particular people uh, when it comes to. The sort of the books that I am willing to dedicate my time to reading. Uh, Example. Uh, the dictionary. The dictionary. No. <laughs> um, say something like Twilight, which is hugely popular, or Fifty Shades of Grey, which again is hugely popular. And I have no interest necessarily in reading about these topics. Never mind the quality of the writing. But a lot of people would agree that the quality of the writing isn't good. However, as we said in the last episode. Uh, at the end of the day, all writing is subjective, and that always, to me, feels like a cop out. You know, holding up Dickens against uh, Stephanie Meyer, 
um, and saying that objectively they're equals, it just kind of feels like a cop-out to me whenever somebody makes that argument. But you can't argue against it. Oh, you can. Uh, they're clearly not equal. Uh, you know, it's Stephanie Meyer and uh, E.L. James are both writing fiction that is... Um, it's designed to provoke a certain emotion, which is how Justin described good writing. So Stephanie Meyer is looking for teen anguish and uh, E.L. James is looking to titillate. Uh, there's nothing wrong with either of those things, uh, but Dickens was addressing social concerns of his age uh, in an entertaining way. So what you're saying is that because it was more, because the core content was more worthy therefore oh no i hate that argument yeah that's not what i mean well that's that's, that's pretty much what you just said yeah why is dickens better i mean this is something i've been wondering because i'm reading wuthering heights just now Uh, great book love it it is great and i'm really enjoying reading it but the story is so stupid all the characters have the same name they're all horrible they they all die of nothing they have that weird sort of um, 1800s illness where people just faint, get weak, and waste away. Spoiler alert for those of you who have not read Wuthering Heights. Ross has just ruined the entire story. So why am I enjoying it? I mean, do you guys enjoy reading classics? I have read some that I've really enjoyed, and I've read some that I've found utterly impenetrable. Yeah, I would agree Thomas with that. Hardy is renowned for being a great author. I read the first three he was pages. Great in Locke as well. He was what? Sorry. He was great in Locke. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Hardy. Um, yeah. I mean, I read, mates, though. I read, I think, the, <laughs> I read, I think, the first three pages of Mayor of Casterbridge. And after three pages... But you of can't judge them after three. You can't judge them after three he pages. He spent three pages describing cobblestones on the street, on the road, into town. At that page, at that point, I'm out. I'm sorry, you've lost me. Unless your writing is brilliant, if you spend three pages describing the street you're walking up, I'm done. Well, could you not... If, I mean... I guess you're saying that it isn't good writing, but um, could you not describe cobblestones in three pages in a way that is also we would regard as good One writing? One of the most memorable gonna, moments from Dickens is the uh, Tale of Two Cities, which is my favourite book, uh, where the red wine is spilt in the cobbles and it foreshadows the blood that's spilt in the cobbles later on during the French Revolution. Okay. Um, Dickens is a better writer than Thomas Hardy and potentially a better writer than Thomas Hardy could spend three pages talking about cobblestones and I'd want to read it but Thomas Hardy was not up to the task and it was dire well my I mean my sense with good writing has always been or I mean if you sort of take an example from I mean either kind of journalism or if it's essay writing my sense has always been that it's not so much what you say but how you say it and that if you can write well about a particular topic you'll find a way of engaging your right, your readers, and the so you have to have an emotional component. For that. I think that that's yeah, I and mean, I think that that at the yes, end of the day is yes. what good writing is. I think you have to. I think as a reader or watcher or whatever um, of writing, you have to be engaged with it. You have to care. If you don't care, you're out pretty much off the bat. Um, I'm quite proud of the fact that uh, after. <laughs> watching a great deal of television with my wife and I that most of our children are now of an age where they, they've literally said to us, I can't watch anything that's badly written. And I think that's brilliant. I'm delighted to have passed on that legacy to our children that they refuse to watch badly written television. Congratulations on brainwashing your children. I, I'm going to call it developing an appreciation of the art. <laughs> 
I think uh, an interesting point that we have sort of passed over uh, was about this idea, Ross, you were talking about how Dickens has something to say about society. And Justin, you called that worthiness. But I, I kind of agree with you, Ross, I think. Or, well, you step back from this comment. But I mean, it's the same with television. You know, you were talking about television there. Um, I find it, for instance, very difficult to get into Game of Thrones, whereas I love things like The Wire because I feel like they have something deeper to say about the world we live in. And I feel like um, what's, what, what was referred to as literary fiction usually falls into that bracket as well. I agree. And I think I, think I come at it from the exact opposite position because, um, as you know, I, I've never actually watched The Wire and I don't have any particularly strong desire to do so other than that everybody oh, I know keeps telling me I should yeah, watch yeah. it. But Game of Thrones for me was an absolute... I was hooked immediately. And I think that's because... Um, where you talk about, you know, it's got something deeper to say about society. I'm more interested in the escapism of something like Game of Thrones, which has a lot to say about the human condition, but does it in a way that also includes some escapism and um, fun that, you know, something like The Wire. Oh, The I Wire is not watching it. fun as well. I, it might well be. I, I'm, I'm in it's no position to comment or speculate having not seen any of it. It's entertaining, but it's not an easy watch i mean it's challenging in a number of ways i think and i guess it is you could call it worthiness but there's uh, a scene in series one where um bunk and mcnulty go to a crime scene and there i've shared this before and we'll, we'll tweet it out from the bottle of red uh, twitter account uh but the only word that either character says in the entire scene is fuck and they say it again and again and again as they solve how the crime took place so i would say that although it's slightly gimmicky that's an example of great writing yeah and i think that's, a really and that's good clever example. and that's that is that is really clever and they obviously uh, I, I i imagine that the way that came about was we've got to write this sooner what what could we do imagine could we write this in such a way that they don't say anything but fuck all the way through this how cool would that be and then and that's almost like a kind Although of... Of course, in TV, you've got the visuals as well. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, the writing isn't just... I mean, I was sitting, I was sitting here wondering, you know, does that have an emotional component? I don't think it does. I think I've actually won this argument against Justin. But they do cut to the corpse of the murder victim. I think, it, I mean, it, it sort of comes back to what the purpose of the writing is. I mean, I said earlier that all writing, good writing should have some sort of emotional connection. And that's not necessarily true. If, if the purpose is just to tell you how to put together your new IKEA furniture... Uh, I don't really need. Well, to, I don't really Akira, need to. Akira doesn't even bother with images anymore. No, to do course, that, they course, just give you course, pictures course. and happy and happy and sad faces. But if it, is, if it is simply instructive, you know, you don't need to have an emotional connection. You don't need to feel a particular way as you you build your Billy bookcase. So to go to the wire for another example of good writing, there's a scene. Uh, Justin, you won't have seen this, of course. So I will not, describe no. it to you. Where um, I hope you describe it well in such a way that engages my emotions. Some of the gangster characters are uh, playing chess in the middle of the uh, square where they sell their drugs and run their operation and they're uh, playing it like they're playing checkers and the boss comes along and he says that's not how you play chess what you want to do is you want to take the king and they say all right so wait so if i get to the other end with my pieces i win like no 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 that, that no that's not it the pawns they get capped quick but the king stays the king until he gets caught by the other team and what he's talking about there is the dynamic between the the gangsters and their enemies, not necessarily just the police, but other gangs. 
And so that's great writing because he's not actually talking about chess at all. So they're discussing the world that they live in uh, in a way that everyone understands, but it's not just explaining it like Basil Exposition did in Austin Powers. Okay. So what's your point? Well, the great writing has subtlety to it. So it's not just... It's, 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 It's a clever metaphor. Yes. And, you know, yes, good metaphors are an important part of good writing, regardless of what your medium is, absolutely. Yeah, but I, compare that to Bat. That long ago, where you were telling me that <laughs> using metaphors in a persuasive argument was uh, was a bit too much. A different podcast. I know, what a but different still. show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, my worlds are colliding. <laughs> but compare that to writing, where a character says, "All right, so I've been watching Picky Blinders, which I do think is great, but it does have a habit of telling you what's going on." So, yeah. for example. The character, female character in the first series will go, I'm not going to be affected by the fact that I hate the IRA. And the other guy who's talking to her goes, I'm sorry that the IRA killed your parents, but blah, 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 blah. And it's just a bit heavy handed in a way that the wire was not. And and absolutely. I mean, you know, heavy handed exposition is um, one of those very things that our children refuse to watch anymore because we have trained them to only watch well-written television. So this is one example of what good writing is which I think was the question it was yeah well I mean still not really answered that question of sort of objective versus subjective value I don't think I think I don't think there is an answer to the question what is good writing because I think it is fundamentally subjective it is it is equivalent to your appreciation of a painting you know you could you could argue that a painting has been painted with skill but a painting which is a more accurate representation of its subject is not necessarily going to generate the kind of emotional impact that a less accurate but more artistically pleasing um, painting of that same subject is. And so, again, it's, 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 the, it's the thing with writing that it's science and art. The science can be, you know, there in terms of it's good grammar, it makes sense, you've made a logical argument, you've told the story in a structured, sensible way. The art is what comes with practice. It comes with exposing yourself to other good writing, to other good art, and it comes from within you. And you can't, you can't necessarily teach that, but you can learn it. I've silenced you both. I call that a victory. <laughs> Mic drop, I'm out of here. So that's our review on what good writing is, but what do you think? If you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet us at Bottle of Rednet, at Ross A. Garner, or at Author JLA. Next week, Ross and I will be joined by Jonathan Whitelaw to discuss the topic of sex and literature. If that won't get you to listen, then nothing will. 